what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is the Mesh.TV's show for movie reviews and discussion. I'm Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. Chris, how you doing? Doing well. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Ready to talk some movies. Yeah, good. Well, we're doing something a little different this week with our no reviews. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about music. No, awesome. uh, we, we normally like to review films that are still in the movie theaters. Correct. Ones that, you know, we could actually say to somebody, hey, here's some information before you go plunk down your hard-earned money on tickets to the movie theater. You can go listen to our review before you go. Well, you and I looked at the films that are running right now, the options we have in the movie theaters, and we weren't quite digging them too much. So we had right. a hard time picking ones we wanted to see. True. So, and Chris, you turned me down on my option for us to review A Good Day to Die Hard. So <laughs> instead, we're going to spend our two reviews this week talking about films that you may have missed during the theatrical run. Uh, films that you can now see on Amazon, iTunes, DVD right away. And there are also ones that had a little bit of Oscar implications from the review from the uh, ceremony last month. So today we're going to be reviewing two films, the film The Sessions and the film Anna Karenina, both Oscar nominated but coming up kind of empty-handed on awards night in general. Uh, so we're going to discuss whether each of them were meant to be overlooked or if the Academy was crazy for even having them, their names on the nomination ballots to begin with. So that's going to be our two reviews. After our reviews, we're going to come back and do a little movie news, mainly talking about recap of Oscars and see what our thoughts were on the, the ceremony and the awards given out that night. And then we'll end up the show with you and I both giving our uh, movie recommendation of the month, uh, or of the episode, I guess I should say, since we've now gone to a bi-monthly episode format, ones we think everybody ought to check out. Doesn't matter how far back we want to go in the archives on that one. So, sound like a good plan? That'll work for me. You're on board. You're ready to go, right? Yes, without a doubt. Good deal. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into our first review, which is the film The Sessions. I understand you'd like me to hear your confession? Yes, I would. Not exactly a confession. I haven't yet done the deed. I'm here for you, Mark. Is it possible for me to know a woman in the biblical sense? Are we talking about sexual intercourse? I think so. Outside marriage. My penis speaks to me, Father Brendan. This therapist suggested I could work with a sex surrogate who would be sensitive to my unusual needs. In my heart, I feel like he'll give you a free pass on this one. Go for it. So, Chris, the sessions... This is a film that I know here in our hometown didn't, I don't think it played here, or if it did, it was a very, very short run. It didn't get a whole lot of mass exposure in the uh, theatrical market. And, you know, when you hear the summary of the, of the movie, I'm going to give you the one-line description from IMDb. Okay. Tell me if you think this is maybe why it didn't play so much in the heartland of America. But okay. A man in an iron lung who wishes to lose his virginity contacts a professional sex surrogate with the help of his therapist and priest. Nice. Right away, you've probably just cut out a whole big swath of America really being too interested in seeing this film just from that description alone. Sure. But as you and I know from seeing the film, it is a little more than just a guy looking to get to get laid and, you know, that, that lives in an iron lung. There's a little more to it, a little more depth about this individual. What I didn't realize is this actually was based on a true story. Mark O'Brien, who wrote an article on this whole experience he was going through, he is confined to an iron lung, has been for a large majority of his life. So obviously that has prevented him from having some of the outward experiences that other human beings do. Uh, this was his journey to try to fulfill that, that need. And it did tie in some other themes and topics other than just pure, pure sex. Sure. My question to you, though, is knowing that I just read that description, am I right in saying that, do you feel like there was more to this movie than just a very simple guys trying to have sex when it was not physically possible for him to do that, or at least believed, or is this, was there more at play in this movie to you? Sure. I, the simple answer is, yeah, there's definitely more here than like an American pie type setup done by the Fairley brothers. I mean, that's the kind of disaster from that description. It sounds like an absolutely horrible movie. Yeah. And it actually, I think is, 
kind of portrayed too as a comedy, at least in the kind of some of the trailers. The trailers did portray it a little more on a comical side, yes. And that just seems like a disaster, like a sex comedy with a handicapped guy, and that seems yeah. like whoa, kind of dangerous territory. Then you throw in the church, you know, yeah. and that's kind of like okay, yes, this does not seem like this is going anywhere good. Um, and yeah, I could understand why it doesn't play at like local multiplexes in the south. But yeah. <laughs> that but, being said, right. There is a lot more here going on. And it's like you said, there's not an awareness in the trailer, at least, that it's based on a true story. Yeah, that was one thing that I think they really missed the boat on. I mean, I think yeah. they tried to play this as a kind of a kind of a cute story is a little bit how the trailers portrayed it, a little more of a heartwarming, funny story. When it is based on a true story, that's something that I did not know going into it when I first watched it. And uh, I think there's a little more at play here than that. So. And the I have to give it to the the director and writer Ben Lewin. He apparently, which I did not know before I started researching for this review, he apparently is a polio survivor himself. And oh, really? This guy, kind of what got him in the whole iron lung situation to begin with, was polio. Was he was a polio survivor yeah, as well. Sure. So this guy, but you know, he is able to actually. Obviously, Ben Lewin is a lot better off than the guy who's in the Iron Lung. Okay. But he was able to be very sympathetic, and he's kind of very close to the source material. So um, he handles it very delicately and Mm -hmm. doesn't play anything for laughs. And I guess it helps me not knowing a lot about Mark O'Brien, the guy who it's actually based on. He apparently had a very good outlook on life and was willing to be deprecating to himself. You know, he was, you know, he was very honest with the situation. He would get caregivers that came in and he would, you know, had a good sense of humor and he was very aware of Mm -hmm. how his life was, but never let them get him down. And it was very, I guess, inspirational, inspirational to me because he had that good sense of humor despite yeah. everything that was going on. Compare that to something like Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Right. Very good movie. But the tone in that was, you know, it was a very tough movie to watch. Yeah. It was good, but it, it was inspiring in some ways, but it also just, man, you left there just feeling yeah. rotten. Whereas this one, I feel like because it did have some comedic elements, the guy had a good sense of humor. It it left me with a much better feeling, and I was really impressed overall with the way they handled, yeah, there's sex in it, because obviously the guy wants to lose his virginity. So, yep, mm-hmm. that's there. But the way they handled that and the delicate way they handled that and very impressed with the way they handled the dealings with the Catholic Church, and that mm-hmm. whole, that could have been played up for laughs and been uh, really dismissive of the whole thing just for laughs. And instead, William H. Macy, I thought, did an awesome job as a priest. I really, I really, really liked him as a priest. And mm. apparently you did not. Wow. Okay, I'm able to about, look at you and you don't like we're that. We're going to have words about that in just a minute. So, uh, let's, let's, okay. So, so far I'm hearing you, you've got a pretty positive vibe on the film. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Well, all right. That's good. Uh, let me just kind of back up before I, I get into some other things here. Sure. John Hawks. I did want to mention yeah. the stars of the film. We, I didn't even mention the people who were actually in it. John Hawks plays Mark O'Brien, the, the, the iron lung polio survivor that's gotcha. now trapped in this machine most of his life. And, uh, Right. Uh, we got, uh, yeah, John Hawks, who you may have seen from, from Winter's Bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is something he's been in? I know he had a really small part in Contagion. And I think um, he had a small part, very, very small part, maybe in Lincoln, but maybe not. But just oh, as that's like right, a, he did. Yeah, uh, so a Congress a member. Small supporting a, role there. Bit, yeah. uh, we've got Helen Hunt, who actually received a, an actress nomination for her role in this film as the sex surrogate, mm-hmm. um, a form of therapy that she performs there. And then you mentioned William H. Macy as right. the priest there. So. Um, talk me through how you felt as a whole. You already mentioned William H. Macy, you said was really good as a priest and we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but t- talk me through John Hawks, and Helen Hunt. What'd you think about those two? Helen Hunt was good and I can see why she got nominated, but if I had to nominate somebody from this film, it would have been John Hawks. Yeah. I thought he was really, really, really good. Um, having seen him in winter's bone where he plays a completely different type of character and seeing him in this where he does things with his voice and his face and just, I mean, and he can't move. So, yeah. you know, he's only limited to working with his neck and his face, you know, yeah. and his head. And just what he was able to convey in that was just, to me, very, very, very impressive. Well, and even yeah. his body, apparently, they he had to put like an orthopedic pillow under one oh, side yeah. of him so it would like contort his body so he, that he would look like he had had polio and stuff. I mean, it was just... I thought his performance was amazing, so much so that not that Helen Hunt was bad, but I felt like he overshadowed her. Well, absolutely. It was so impressive. I, I mean, so. I wrote down my likes, and honestly, there's only two likes I have in this movie. Whoa. But they're wow. really, really, really big likes. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's John Hawks. I mean, I thought John Hawks was really, really phenomenal in this film. Uh, you know, granted, he's playing a character, Mark O'Brien, that sounds like a, a person that 
probably was a lot like he is in this film. So there's a little bit of pulling off of that, what people knew of him and probably some of his writing and all that. But still, this was a really great performance. And I think the fact that there are the physical limitations he had to, he had to contend with as well. Really, really impressive. And also overall, I love the story. I think the story itself, the overall mission of this film, the mission of Mark O'Brien and writing the article that he was researching was really, really interesting. I found it very fascinating. I wanted to know more about the story to the point I wanted to go and research and actually read his actual article at some point after seeing the film. Definitely. So yeah. those two things, I mean, that carried the whole film for me. Overall, I'm going to say this was a generally good, positive film. I liked it. I get the feeling, <sighs> you know, I usually, the way I do my reviews, I have my pluses and I have my minuses. I'll go ahead and say... I don't have any minuses with this film, okay, but I feel like you're I've about to go, but I've got more than enough to share with <laughs> you. You have enough to equal mine out. Okay. Well, okay. It's let here. me just pick it apart. It's really two people. <sighs> Helen so Hunt. So it's down to acting. Yeah, it is. Huh. I thought where John Hawks was just mopped the floor with everybody. I thought Helen Hunt, I've never been a huge fan of her to begin with. I, she seems to be one of those, those actor actresses where it's basically give her the script She's going to recite the lines in the way that she always recites lines in any single role she plays. But she always just has to inject this little bit of snarkiness to it. I just get this real condescending tone from her, everything she says and does. I mean, I remember her back from the days of uh, what was the show with Paul Reiser, the comedy, the uh, sitcom she did. Mad About You. She's basically no different than the character she's playing there. Really? I just don't see any variation in her roles at all. And it was just to the point where there was nothing to it. I really think the only reason she got nominated is because she's naked half the film. And I think for some reason they consider that a daring move That'd for an actress. I wouldn't even say half. I'd say almost well, probably three quarters of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's naked. Yeah, she's, yeah, I mean, totally. yeah. And I, I think the Academy says, oh, well, that's a daring role. So we need to recognize her. Beyond that, there was nothing to her role about this. I just didn't see anything. Really? You didn't see any of the talking that she had to do with her husband and that? Whole. Yes. By the way, this sex surrogate lady is married and has oh, a yeah. kid. Married so, kid, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of important to, um, to point out. No, I didn't see anything. Else. Really? There was one scene towards the end where I think they finally just kind of like an emotional breakdown between Mark and, and, and her. I thought she showed something that was pretty impressive there. But the rest of the film, I just felt like she's just going through the motions. Well, you don't think – I wonder if some of that – I read that as you know she's trying to be clinical because – she is a physician. Kind of, you know, she's not yeah. supposed to get emotionally attached to the person she's helping, even though obviously it's a very intimate thing that she's trying to help with. But like, she's supposed to be kind of detached and remote from the person that but she's, she's always detached and remote. You, just, you saw uh, as good as it gets, right? Yeah. She was nominated for that film as well. Same exact type of acting style mm. or character. Same exact thing. Wow. I'm sorry. This is all she does. Wow. So I'm just, I'm a little frustrated with that. I just I didn't care for her performance. I guess I just don't care for her as an actress, and nothing she did in this made me feel any different about that. Hmm. William H. Macy. Yes. I really like William H. Macy, just not in this film. Okay. <laughs> because, A, I, I almost just thought, again, I felt like this was another part where he's just delivering lines. And I've really? seen him be so much better in so many different things. Wow. What's up with the hairdo? I don't get it. He's trying to be, they've got him written as the kind of the cool hip priest. Well, he's out know. in California. Yeah, but still, Near Berkeley. it just, Come it on. just, I think what killed me for this on this is even you alluded to in the trailers, the commercials for this, they played up the comedic element and everything was, let's show the priest funny reaction to the this crippled guy talking, guy about, talking sex. about sex. Right. And I'm I'm afraid that just was still too prevalent in throughout the whole film. It just really? didn't work. Yeah, I I just didn't. Those two roles. I don't know if they just needed somebody different there, if they need to be better written or what. But those two, I just did hmm. not get. They did not connect with me. Just didn't think they worked at all. Wow. The other little side point. And I think this is more the fact that I mean, this is the way the story happened. So I'm not intent, I'm not asking that the filmmaker should have lied about the story or made up parts of it. But there were just a lot of characters flirting in and out of this film that very got very little character development. You got thrown a lot of names, a lot of people. There were like three different assistants that, you know, O'Brien had and we really didn't get to know hardly anything about a couple of them very much. Hmm. Uh, there's a a therapist who's involved with Cheryl, the sex sur- surrogate, but we don't really know what their relationship is, how they work together. It just seemed like they're kind of throwing a lot of names and people into the mix and it just – you kept expecting something to get fleshed out with some of these characters, and a lot of times it didn't. So, that was just – is a minor point for me. I'm not yeah, saying that's I, a major dislike, but it was okay. just a little minor pick for me. There. Yeah, I, I guess that didn't strike me at all, and I kind of liked the way they just touched on a lot of minor characters and moved on because for mm-hmm. me, again, 
anybody who listens to the show knows running time is a big deal with me. And this, and this was one hour little, 40. It was a right. Good this was time. very self-contained and like, I didn't want all those minor little subplots cause mm. I wanted him and I wanted to basically spend as much time with Mark O'Brien as I could. And I got yeah. that. And all the other people, I mean, yes, the people that help him are important, but they just kind of touched on because the main, this was just focusing on one little aspect of his. Now you made life. a good point. I, and maybe, maybe I'll even back off on my third dislike the, the too many characters. Cause actually you're right. The more time with Mark O'Brien, the better. I really enjoyed every ounce of time he was on screen, every line of dialogue he delivered. So maybe you're right. Maybe maybe fleshing out some of these other characters would have actually distracted more from him. And I definitely wouldn't want that. I will just say, for the record, Helen Hunt, William H. Macy. Helen Hunt delivered a typical performance I've seen from her, and I didn't <laughs> like it. And then William H. Macy, I was just disappointed because he's such a good actor. He's one of my favorites. And I just thought he was going through the motions on this one. So hmm. um, that was my two issues there. But I, I will say, I think anybody ought to see this film just for John Hawke's performance and for the story in general. I do think those are the two shining stars that overall made this a recommendation film for me too, uh, but just not as positive as you had it. I had just more issues with the other actors involved. Gotcha. Yeah. Overall, good. Uh, do we know anything about the director? I mean, has he done anything else that we know of? Uh, ben Lewin? I'm I... pulling him up right now to see if there's anything else. It looks like, uh, looks like he's directed a lot of things, but mostly TV movies and TV series. Uh, hasn't really done anything actually since TV back in early 2000s. So that's kind of impressive. It was a well-made film. Oh, I, um, yeah, definitely. Nothing really – it wasn't like cinematography was outstanding or anything was really creative with it. It was just a well-made, solid film, I thought. Yeah, and you I know. think for this type of movie, you don't have to rely on no. those things. So, yeah. And being too, I, I'm, I'm a Rotarian, and Rotary is very, very active in the whole polio oh. uh, eradication across the world. So – I had no idea this had to do with a polio uh, a victim. So that was yeah, kind of a nice personal connection too. Sure. I think it's a good story for somebody wanting to understand just how crippling a disease this was for people and what it could put them into. And uh, I liked hearing the uplifting side of the, the story and, and kind of getting to know a really infectious person who's still determined to live life, even though he, he's definitely been dealt a really, really bad hand. And I'd say, you know, for those out there that are listening that think, I guess I've seen some of the same trailers we have and they're like, Oh, that doesn't, you know, that yeah. looks bad. But you know, yes, there is sex in it, but it's also a really good movie and that yeah. doesn't take over the movie. So I will, I will say in just tasteful manner. As yeah, possible, yeah. It's so. very tasteful. Just right. be, be forewarned. It is extremely detailed Oh yeah, in its sexual activity. I mean, it right. is, there's no shyness in, involved no. in the whole film. So just be prepared for that. But it is all done with a really, really good story in mind. It's not done for any kind of shock value right. or just to throw it in there. So sure. overall, I'm saying it's a good movie. Just I really wish they would have recast or done something different with those two other actors in there. But um, John Hawks, man, he really should have gotten more acclaim for this this role. Yeah, I'm not saying maybe he should have won, but he should have at least been yeah. nominated. I absolutely agree. Okay, so the sessions, it is available on iTunes and Amazon and DVD and everywhere else you can get it right now. Uh, we are saying check it out. Chris saying much, much more passionately definitely. go check it out. Uh, it's definitely worth worth watching. It's worth your 4 or $5 iTunes rental, whatever it may be. Uh, so now let's move on to our second film, which is the film Anna Karenina. We are bound together by God, and this can only be broken by a crime against God. Something's happened. Not something, everything. It would be a sin to help you destroy yourself. Sensual desire indulged for its own sake is the misuse of something sacred. The man who can't govern his wife has gone as far as he can go in government. Anna isn't a criminal, but she broke the rules. Leave him. Leave my life. She'll be ruined. Do you think I would let you have my son? You are depraved. A woman without honor. And this is what you want. Do you know what you want? Anna Karenina Allen is Joe Wright's latest film. He has given us also Atonement, which I believe you're a fan of. I'm a huge fan of Atonement, yes. Okay. And it's also, it was written by Tom Stoppard, who did the thing uh, Shakespeare in Love, the screenplay for Shakespeare in Love. Well, this is okay. <laughs> It's got uh, Jude Law and mm -hmm. Keira Knightley. With these 
people involved. Mm -hmm. This film only got four Oscar nominations, none of which were acting, directing, best picture, anything like that. You taking in this film, do you find it to be any more than what the synopsis is, which is a 19th century Russian high society aristocrat Anna Karenina enters into a life-changing affair with the affluent Count Vronsky? So to me, that sounds like period piece romance. Sure. Does it amount to anything more than that for you? It does amount to more than that. Okay. But with a asterisk at the end. <laughs> Let me kind of back up, and I, I want people to understand what kind of film we're talking about here, because sure. this, yes, this is a true adaptation of a very well-revered novel. Mm-hmm. That, a very long novel. <laughs> that I think I was supposed to have read at some point in my schooling and never quite got around to it. Um, and it is a, obviously a period piece as well. However, there's a catch. Uh, Joe Wright has done something very different with the production and staging of this film where you actually, for a large majority of the film, not 100%, which is something I'm going to talk about in a minute, you it's staged like a play on a stage with backdrops that move in and out based on the scene. Mm-hmm. Characters moving from one side of the stage to the other where there may be a whole different set design. It's a very, for the first half of the film, it's a very hypnotic style of filmmaking for me. Okay. But it went a little overboard and I don't think the end result quite worked out, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, yes, there is more to this to see than it just being a period piece adaptation of a classic novel. There were some good performances. There was some very interesting directing and production style choices made. It's worth watching to see the experiment on screen. And I do give Joe Wright credit for trying something different. You and I are both big fans of directors and people who just try something different are a little more adventurous, willing to step outside and do something a little different than what maybe their peers do. This is one where it was an experiment where I thought it was admirable, but in the end just didn't quite work. It was almost too much. Gotcha. It's almost like Boz Lerman took over in the editing room and said, you know what, I'm actually going to give this a crack and see if I can edit this into a really like chaotic, uh, <laughs> crazy film. And, and at times it kind of got there, where it was actually a little hard to follow. It was almost like, going overboard on style just to be going overboard on style. Again, I admire what they're trying to do. I just, I don't think it worked. That's me personally. Well, what's your thoughts? Well, that's, you know, from the description, I do not like period pieces. I know and the you only don't. Thing I, You're on the, record with that. Yeah, yes. I know. Yeah. And the only thing I like less than period pieces are period pieces that are like, romances of people that desire something and can't mm. get like no i thought you were gonna say the only thing you desire you detest more is period pieces with kira knightley because oh, well, yeah. <laughs> there, well, there's that <laughs> so. there's that but no it just like i could not have been less interested in watching this film but like you say from the opening minutes where you see kind of the whole conceit that they're mm-hmm. doing with this movie that not only is it taking place on a stage, but characters are walk, walk off stage. And instead of going to like the slums, which are like the backstreet alleys that take place in the Carolina, they go up in the fly, like up in up the, rafters. the fly system and the rafters, that whole idea. And using that as kind of like, yeah, yes. these aren't alleys. These are the fly system and up in the rafters. Very creative. I was like, wow, this is going to cool, be huh? awesome. This right. is going to make me like this movie. Cause I, that's a very apt, analogy that you have of using Baz Luhrmann kind of like with the Moulin Rouge doing that type of thing with this stodgy very you know period piece type movie I was like whoa this is actually going to be really good that first half hour of the film there was enough there to say you know what visually this is actually worth watching and I will say you touched on it I think something where it fell apart was it was even though it was very cool stylistically it's kind of confusing it was confusing and a lot of characters and it got overboard in a lot of times and I think, you know, because this is a Russian, this takes place in Russia, maybe it's some of the names didn't help because they're kind of complicated. Some of them kind of sound the same. Well, but and if it had been like Bob and Joe, then you would have been like, oh, okay, I know who Bob and Joe yeah. are. But a lot kind of coming at you and the convoluted nature of the conceit of the film with the whole stage idea made it a little hard to follow. Yeah. And then, so, but I was admiring it. I was like, you, I was okay. admiring it, you know. And then, you know, Keira Knightley, I, I can't say, having not read the source material, the book, I don't know whether it was her or just her character, but I could have cared less. Oh, yeah, there we go. I could have cared less about her. I don't think and, it was the actress. I think I think okay, it's just the way the this way part – and I, my understanding character. is the book is a little more nuanced and a little more d- in-depth than okay. this movie was able to give us. But, yeah, her character was despisable. Yeah, I hated it. And for her yeah. to be the focus of the film, I'm like, I don't yeah. care about you. Right. <laughs> I, don't no, I understand the story is supposed you? to show a woman who was trying to pursue her own passions and beliefs and all that and break outside of her system. And by doing that, she got chastised and, and ran into a lot of problems. But they did her no favors, her no. character in this movie. I hated her. Oh, yeah. And I really more, 
I associated with Jude Law character. Totally. I really liked him. Yeah. He was the husband that was basically getting crapped on the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yes. I, I felt for the guy and actually thought Jew Law was really good. Mm-hmm. I don't normally see Jew Law playing a very restrained, tight-lipped, type, yeah. quiet person, but he was really good in that role. Now, I will say Kira Knightley I thought was fine as an actress. I just hated her character. Yeah, I guess it's not. I'll agree. And I don't know whether it could have been more of a nuanced script to give to make you feel a little sympathetic with her to make you yeah. understand what she was going through. They didn't I didn't understand that. that she was trying to break out of class, but she just seemed like a whiny complaining yes. person. Yeah. And, and really she was back gonna... and forth. The whole film was like, yeah. okay, I want forgiveness. Oh, now you've given me forgiveness. I hate you. I'm going to leave. And it was just, it was and very the, chaotic uh, to follow her. The guy that she fell in love with, Willy Wonka. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Count oh, I can't wait to talk about this one, <laughs> <laughs> but he looked like Willy Wonka. He <laughs> looked ridiculous. He looked like Willy Wonka. I mean, that's, that's who he did. Did it not look like this is Aaron Taylor Johnson, who, um, in case you haven't seen, he was in the film Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass. Um, he played John Lennon in the, uh, some, uh, UK film version of, uh, young John Lennon's life. I don't right. remember the name. Not beautiful boy. Something boy. Something like, okay. Um, gosh, we're such film snobs. I know. Um, but Aaron Taylor Johnson plays her love interest in the film, the man that she leaves her husband for. And I'm just the whole time shaking my head. Like what's going on with this guy? Not only was it horrible choice casting, the guy looked about 10 years way too young for the role to begin with. I think he was supposed to be a younger person in the novel, but he looked really young. He looked looked like he was attending a costume ball, like dressed up like in a masquerade ball. Yeah. Masquerade thing. (laughs) He just looked so uncomfortable and, There was absolutely nothing to make me believe that Anna would fall for this guy. Right. Nothing at all. That they would have the kind of relationship that would actually cause her to leave her son and husband and everything else. Well, nothing at all. And there. like you defended Kira Knightley, I'm going to try to defend uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson a little bit. I right. think I didn't really – there again, I didn't like his character either at all. But I don't think they gave us enough to really understand him. He True. was just very cardboard. Okay, good point. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, well – and I couldn't – the only time, and actually I will give him maybe a little bit, he seemed to show a little bit of maybe depth in his character towards the end of the film where Anna is basically kind of becoming unhinged. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt kind of sorry for him because he was trying to still love her and still try to work with her. And she was going oh, yeah. nuts. She was off the deep so end. So yeah. that made me think, well, okay, he's trying to show a little bit of depth by trying to care about her and still trying to maintain his place in society. So, But overall, I mean, his, I think just... It, his no. role, and there again, I, I know this was based on a book, and I'm sure we may get some emails or people saying, well, the book explains all this, and it was a lot more done better in the book. I don't doubt that for a second. Right. But we're evaluating this as a film. Sure. Assuming we've never read the book, we don't know these characters. His character was really poorly handled. Yeah. I think Anna's character was poorly handled. I think in general, I think the style got in the way. Mm-hmm. It is almost like we're gonna, we've got a really cool idea of staging this like with this dynamic moving on stage set type of design. And it's going to be very innovative and unique to the point where they really glossed over a lot of character development. And it became very one dimensional, very hard to relate to. And somebody we didn't really care for her boyfriend, uh, not drawn a blank on the name here, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character right. became almost more like a caricature and just not any depth to him at all. That was the shame of it all is that I wanted to, follow this story. I mean, they had the visuals to get me connected to it. But once I started to get to know these characters, the only character I liked was Jude Law's character. And you know, his role was not terribly large in the film. Sure. It was a, it was a real shame. Um, well, the, the couple that you also see, there's another couple that try to actually the Count Vronsky character who's trying to get together yeah. with Anna Karenina. They're the ones who have the affair. He comes into the movie because he's about to propose to a relative. To, of Anna to uh, uh, what's her name? To Kitty. Kitty. Is, her, yes. is the character's mm-hmm. name. There's a whole like secondary story of this guy called Levin who's trying to court Kitty and like eventually propose her and everything. That whole side story to me was much more interesting. I cared more about them as the characters. I thought it was, I guess, better written, but definitely better acted. And I cared more about them. I couldn't wait to get away from Anna Karenina to yep. find out what was happening to these other two. And in, in, in from what I understand, the book makes it a lot more symbolic how those two storylines are meant to parallel or contrast each other. Hmm. Anna's story with uh, Levin and Kitty's story. 
Okay. In the film, they just seem like two completely different subplots. Okay. And let's hop over to one side and show you what's going on here. Let's hop over to the other and show you what's going on with these characters. And at the end, they try a little closing scene to try to tie them together somehow, and it wasn't really that effective. Supposedly in the book, there's a lot more of a there's – a, there's an understanding Levin gets a lot more by watching Anna – in her husband's situation and that deterioration, it makes him place a greater value on his own relationship and how he needs to embrace the relationship more. See, I didn't really get that from the film no. version though. And I think it just seemed like a whole different storyline that I didn't quite understand just watching the film, why we were watching two completely divergent storylines with two different sets of characters. So, but again, the novel supposedly had it linked in a lot more than, than what we see. I will say the the film was nominated for four Oscars and it won for costume design. Oh, it did. Okay, I didn't realize it, it won did. one. So yeah, and uh, it was also nominated for production design, but Lincoln won that one. Mm-hmm. The production design, design, which to me is saying the whole setup of all yeah. the different sets and all that kind of stuff, was really amazing. If you're really into that type thing, then this is a film you definitely need to watch. Well, and I think I actually had this one picked as production design winning for the uh, Oscars, and because of that reason, I've seen. I, was, I had seen enough of it at that point to know what kind of film this was going to be. Very creative and dynamic. I still love the look of the film. It was just they they went a little overboard, I think, at times where it got a little chaotic and confusing sure. and all. But things like trains coming in and out of the scenes and mm-hmm. going from a model train to a just a big stage train that they slide in and out of the scene was really cool stuff. And it they was would, fun to watch. And they would have it where if you left the theater when you would open up the doors it would be a different geographic location like it could be a snowy field or it could be another city or all this type of stuff and that was the only thing that kind of threw me off is that you know if you're going to stick to that kind of conceit for 85 percent of the film but then you have 15 percent that's shot very traditionally outside mm-hmm. and big uh, scenic shots that didn't work i'd almost mm-hmm. rather if you're going to stick to 100 percent when you go outside you basically just walk into another part of the stage where the backdrop is a very clear backdrop of outdoors Instead, they went to a real traditional film shoot on some parts of the, the film, and then they come back to the theater hmm. scenes. I didn't – that lost me a little bit. It's almost like did they not want to – could they not stick with it 100% or, or what? What were they trying to say with that? So that was a little bit of an issue with me on that. Hmm. Again, I think it's worth watching just because for filmmaking standpoint, the, the idea is so interesting to watch. And I had fun kind of trying to figure out how they were moving the scenes about and how mm-hmm. they were doing the transitions. But from a story and mostly acting standpoint, it, it just it just didn't work for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting as kind of a creative en- endeavor. You know, some somebody tried Joe Wright tried something. Yeah. And I it give was, him credit in, for it was that. interesting, but acting wasn't there, story's not really there, but as something visual to watch. And creatively to try something different. It was, it's interesting to give it a shot. The one other thing I'll say, the one like I did have in the film, uh, and it's something I think Joe Wright's kind of tapping into as a style, and maybe hopefully he doesn't become overused with this. This whole idea of editing rhythmically to music and sounds. Hmm. Um, atonement starts out, and everything is kind of going along rhythmically to keyboard uh, typewriter keys. Mm-hmm. So somebody's typing, and as their letters and the sound of the the whole wheel kind of spinning back into place when you go to the next line. Those noises and sounds were kind of guiding us melodically through the opening scenes of the film. Gotcha. Here in, in uh, Anna Karenina, you had a lot of scenes where the in the office environment, the stamps, the whole <laughs> army of people stamping, right. kind of gave it a little bit of a rhythm, like a little bit of a beat, and it kind of moved those scenes along. I like those little touches. I think those were fun. They were very sparse, and by being very sparse, they kind of stood out and they were a little odd. Yeah, but I, I do I, like what Joe Wright's trying to do with that is turn editing and flow of a story more melodic and more rhythmic with sound effects happening in the film. I like that idea again. I I thought that it just actually was very distracting for me and I didn't understand why I did it It, Mm. because it gave it to me. uh, There's a scene in some type of office setting where people are stamping. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not sure what the, that place was called, but anyways, the office where that stamping was going on, to me, that kind of took on the whole Baz Luhrmann mm-hmm. kind of comedic type approach. And I was like, whoa. And it kind of totally shifted the tone. I didn't understand what they were going for. And then I yeah. felt that it disappeared. And then later they returned back to that office and they yeah. kind of bring it back up. That's again. what I was I'm saying. Like, it was very sporadic. I mean, if it had been more of a consistent thing weave throughout the whole film, it would have worked a lot better. I like what he's trying to do. And I really thought it worked better in Atonement Definitely. Uh, I would than agree. it did here. Uh, again, I, Atonement, such a good film. I still one of my favorites from the year it came out. I, I was just really impressed by that. He was able to pull off a period piece that had some creativity to it. 
I mean, the whole big tracking shot you remember in Atonement on the beach mm-hmm. with the soldiers and the Ferris wheel in the background was just a beautiful sequence. So it was definitely he seems to like the idea of pushing the boundaries and trying something new in his filmmaking. Uh, it's just here I think he went way too far out in that direction and didn't spend enough attention on the story and how it's being shared and communicated and developing these characters into more three-dimensional characters than what we saw. That seemed to be the kind of the, the, the issues with this film. So it's worth seeing. I guess we'll say if you're really curious about filmmaking and you really want to see something different, True. but just be prepared. The story and the actings may lose you along the way. So Agreed. fair enough. Yes. Okay. So Anna Karenina is out now. iTunes, Amazon, DVD, all those typical places. Both the sessions, Anna Karenina nominated for Oscars. Anna Karenina walked away with one for costumes, which I think was well-deserved. It was Mm -hmm. very well done with the costumes. Otherwise, kind of overlooked at the Oscars. And I think from my perspective, rightfully so on both of them, uh, the sessions, Chris definitely had a little more of a positive opinion on it than I did. But uh, two films definitely worth at least checking out and forming your own opinions on. We're going to take a quick break, Chris. And when we come back, we'll do a little Oscar news and follow up on that and then talk a little bit about our recommendations for the month. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. This is Alan and Chris. We're talking about movies. We just did our reviews of The Sessions and Anna Karenina. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Oscars. We dedicated one of our Spotlight episodes a couple months ago to talking about the the nominations. And we both, you and I, went through and kind of gave our picks of, Chris, what we thought was going to win and what we uh, were hoping was going to win, that type of thing. Well, now the ceremony is coming and gone. The 85th uh, Academy Award winners have been announced so let's talk a little bit about that. I'm just going to hit on some of the highlights and kind of get your feedback on thoughts with it. Let's start with the big one right off the bat. Uh, the winner, best picture of the year was Argo. Um, right. I don't think either you or I had that one picked no. as our best picture. I had Lincoln, and I believe that may have been what you had as well. Yes. So thoughts on that. Did Argo? Have, did you ever end up seeing Argo? I still have not seen Argo. Oh, wow. Argo. So you really have no basis to make any I don't opinion. Have any t- other than I was surprised just because it seemed like it came out. People were really excited about it, and then it died away, and then it kind of had a resurgence right before yeah. the award ceremony. So it was kind of a surprise to me because of that. Well, I think within a few weeks of the ceremony, Lincoln and Zero Dark Thirty were kind of the two favorites. They were the ones kind of standing above the rest of the crowd. Argo did surge in, I don't know, publicity or recognition or what happened. Right. But uh, it did win uh, Film of the Year. I, I, you know, I saw Argo. I think we reviewed it in a past episode as well. I liked it. I thought it was good. I think I remember saying that my biggest issue with the film was the fact that Ben Affleck was just the was not just the director. He was also the star. His star turning role did not work for me at all. I thought that was a, a poorly acted choice. So your nightmare movie would be Helen Hunt and Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, Helen Hunt starring as one of the the uh, hostages and Ben <laughs> Affleck uh, still reprising his role in Argo. That would have not been good. Okay. Um, so other than Ben Affleck's acting, I thought the film was was good. Okay. I still probably enjoyed Lincoln a little better. Um, I definitely enjoyed Silver Lining's playbook better, but I knew that didn't have a snowball's chance in getting uh, getting the award. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, a little surprising there, but Argo did seem to kind of swell uh, in its uh, enthusiasm the weeks leading up to this to the to the uh, ceremony. Actor in a leading role, Daniel Day Lewis Lincoln. I mean, was that we both had that picked? We knew that was going to win. I yeah. think if anybody else had won that thing, it would have been a shock. Absolute shock. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Actress in a leading role was Jennifer Lawrence with Silver Lang's Playbook. How'd you feel about that? We got some clapping in the background See, from our audience. People that, very happy. I am joining in with you. I that thought falls she in the category of still haven't seen it. So I thought Jennifer Lawrence deserved to win that one. I, I thought she was great in that film. Um, she was up against some really good actresses. I mean, I think everybody in that. Uh, the only one I didn't see was Naomi Watts and The Impossible. That's the only one I missed. Um, everybody else did a great job. But Jennifer Lawrence, I was at least happy to see that one win for Silver Lang's playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we had supporting actor. We had Christoph Waltz for Django Unchained. 
Um, yeah. Safe I, to say that was the biggest surprise of the night? Uh, no, not for me. Oh, not for you. Okay. No, All right. No. All right. No, no. There was something else that we'll get to. The Christoph um, Waltz. Uh, I really don't think anybody had that one pegged at all. I'm, um, I mean, I'm very happy. That's who I wanted to win, but not who I picked to win. So um, I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman for the master would, because I thought they were going to throw the master a bone and give it something. But, and um, I thought Tommy Lee Jones was actually getting a lot of talked up uh, publicity for Lincoln, which true. I didn't think he deserved to win it. But it was kind of the one that was being talked about a lot more leading up to it. Even Alan Arkin, I thought, was a more viable choice from a popularity standpoint than, than Christoph Waltz. With but the fact I'm, that he had just won for a Quentin Tarantino movie, and it's just like, okay. You know, and it was and you a supporting admit, role. In that, so you're kind of like, okay, surely they're not going to give him enough. But they did. So and you got to admit, although I loved his performance in Django Unchained. Really, really did. Mm-hmm. It's still a very similar performance to the one he had in Inglorious Bastards. I still say, yes, he's a good guy versus a bad guy, and his morals are completely different. But his delivery, his yeah. tone, yeah. is very, very similar. And I think that's why Quentin used him in Django Unchained because he wanted to carry on that same. He really liked what he got out of him in Glorious Bastards. Right. It is kind of odd that the Academy gives him two back-to-back awards for those two films that are somewhat similar. Right. Style, director, and everything else. Sure. Yeah, it was a surprise. Actress in a supporting role was Anne Hathaway for Les Mis. Again, any shock there at all? Yeah. Yeah. Even though I hated the movie, I'd picked her. So. Animated feature film with Brave. That, Give me your take on this, Chris. Okay. Um, that's, I know you were not a big fan of Brave. No, not a big fan of Brave. And animated features, usually, the Oscars, I kind of somewhat know why they go the way they do, or I kind of agree with them, you know, for this one category. I was really surprised that Brave won instead of Wreck-It Ralph. Do you think um, it was because it was the Pixar film, the, the Disney film? Oh, well, Wreck-It Ralph was Disney as well. It's just uh, Brave was the, the Pixar-branded one. Yeah, the only thing I can come up with is as to why, maybe, is because it had a little bit of, like, you know, history with, like, what was going on with the clans. And all. So mm. it's, like, provide a little... It was a little more some, of a prestigious-looking film. Right, as yeah. opposed to something about video games. Yeah. So... But other than that, I mean, I, I enjoyed just, Wreck-It Ralph better than Brave. By, right. by I will admit, you you reviewed Brave and kind of knocked it down a peg before I even saw it. So <laughs> I went in with very low expectations. It was a little better than I expected it to be. Still not great. Right. Uh, not probably worthy of best animated one. Cinematography was Life of Pi. Right. And now you have some misgivings with Life of Pi as a film as well. But cinematography did at least earn that award. Yeah, and that's the one that's hard for me to judge because. I'd have to see the behind the scenes on the DVD or Blu-ray to tell you what was cinematography and what was special effects and the ah, visual I effects. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to judge, but both of those were good. I just don't know if it was more visual effects than cinematography, if that makes any I, no, sense. I completely understand. Um, but no, I was, I was okay with that. So. Costume design with Anna Karenina. We just talked about that yeah. a few minutes ago. Sound like that. We were okay with that. Directing, Life Here of Pi. There we go. So Ang Lee went for <laughs> Life of Pi's directing. That was a, that's my biggest surprise. Okay. And uh, all I can think of there is they're making up for Brokeback Mountain. So, wow. Because um, Brokeback Mountain was shut out by which film? Um, don't Enter know. Nick. Enter Nick. Find out for us. <laughs> He's on it. Okay, so we'll have a minute. <laughs> but then, but we'll I remember people about were like, oh, seconds. it was such a better film. And basically it didn't. And, you know, it didn't get that. And yeah. I, you know, I think the Academy likes him and he's kind of an Academy darling. Oh, so uh, I think Crash is the one. I think Crash yes. beat, yeah. beat uh, uh, Brokeback Mountain, which is a real crime. Crash <laughs> sucked. So, sure. So uh, Ang Lee, Life of Pi winning. That was a big surprise. Yeah. I know I had the long shot picked with Ben Zeitlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild because I at least thought that was a very well-made, interesting shot and directed film. Steven Spielberg, of course, was kind of a – that's I think I, everybody that's kind of assumed it would be for Lincoln. So. Even David O. Russell, I would have picked as better, having a better chance than Ang Lee on that one. So, right. Wow. That was a real surprise. Absolutely. Documentary feature, uh, Searching for Sugar Man, I think. Uh, we both knew that was probably the popular choice going in. Everybody seemed to be feeling that that was the one. Me personally, uh, I loved it. So I was perfectly happy with that. And we get into some of the other ones, documentary short, and we didn't really have any, any opinions on any of these films yeah. to begin with. Uh, so it's not really worth going through and saying whether we agreed or not. I'm sure they were all very well-deserving films. Film editing, Argo, uh, I was fine with that in general. Uh, the music, original score was Life of Pi, which I have... Life of Pi, one of the few I had not seen, so I don't know how to comment on that one. Makeup, hairstyling, Les Mis, foreign language film, Amour. We kind of predicted that one as well. Original song, Skyfall. Had yeah. James Bond song, one best uh, best song. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Production design was uh, Lincoln, which we did say Anna Karenina probably should have 
been given a second look because I do think that was a little more impressive a feat designing that 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 film. And then he got his short films. Uh, sound editing was a tie. We had a tie in an Oscar kind of strange. award. Skyfall and Zero Dark Thirty tied for sound editing. And then sound mixing Les Mis. That really threw off my whole Oscar ballot scoring system, having the tie in there. I didn't know how to respond to that <laughs> with our uh, attendees. Visual effects, Life of Pi. Yeah. And there again, I mean, how much was cinematography? How much doesn't was surprise me that one. It's just should it also win for cinema? I don't. I don't know. Writing adapted screenplay was Argo. Writing original screenplay was Django Unchained. So Quentin Tarantino got an Oscar for original screenplay, which was fun to see. Yeah, and I, you know, I, it was fun to see. I'd never thought they would give him that, but yeah. they did. So it's kind of cool. So overall, that's uh, you know, that was the Oscars. Um, to so for you, the biggest surprise you thought was director. Yeah, that kind of well. I mean, big. I guess yeah. Two surprises. One was a positive surprise, which was Christoph Waltz winning. Yep, so that sure. was awesome. And then the biggest surprise that was definitely negative for me was Ang Lee winning. Um, not okay. that I think he's a bad director, but just I just really didn't care for the film. And yeah, yeah so. I've still yet to see Life of Pi, so that's my one holdout right now on the on the Best Picture nominee. So I am more curious to go see it just to see agree or disagree with some of the things you've been saying about it and what others have been saying because I think that was kind of widely known as the biggest surprise of the Oscars in general in the film community was Ang Lee winning that one for directing. I'll say overall as a ceremony, I guess because of the surprises and it seemed like there wasn't a picture that kind of ran away with yeah. stuff. And that was kind of a surprise because usually it's like, that's kind of why I picked a lot of things being Lincoln because I kind of figured it was going to roll that way. I mean, I guess Argo in a sense did that, but he wasn't no. nominated for director. So he wasn't allowed. It to wasn't a runaway though. It because didn't get he didn't any, didn't any, get any acting actors. Awards. Yeah. So it got you know. best picture and it got a, Screenplay. Okay. And I think that was the main ones in editing. Editing. Um, with There was no runaway film at all. You're right. I mean, it really was. Lincoln got a few key ones. Uh, Silver Lightning Playbook got an actress. It was a nice mixture of films. You didn't feel like it was just being overpowered. This wasn't a Titanic or, right. you know, some of these other films that just dominate and just win everything. So it was, it was fun. And I guess if I had to say shortcomings of things I wish I would have gotten a little bit more recognition you know, the sessions, I guess, that we'd already discussed, yeah. Cloud Atlas, Moonrise Kingdom, and I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson should have probably at least been nominated, maybe. <laughs> well, I think... You know, I'm not as big on the film overall, but I understand the type of achievement and what he's going yeah. for. So. What do you think about uh, Seth MacFarlane as host? Yeah, I mean, he was exactly what I thought he would be. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, I don't really – do I care for him? Not that much. But, I mean, I, he was more restrained than I guess he could have been. So, yeah. But I was, it's not like I was surprised by anything that he did. I, I knew so. that the humor would be lowbrow in places, and sure it was. And a lot of, some people have taken offense to some of the, 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 the level of humor. It was just one joke, the, the Lincoln joke kind of just – That was, that was like a rock so bottom for me. I'm like, all right, that was below <laughs> the line at that point. So right. I didn't care for that. The rest of that was fine. It was still a fairly entertaining perform, uh, uh, ceremony. Ran a little long. It I mean, always they always does. run long, but this one seemed to run really long. It did. Um, when you realize that they still had six or seven awards to give out, and you're like already at eleven o'clock at night, you knew that was that's a bad sign. So yeah. um, overall, I mean, we still love watching the the Academy Awards, and we like doing our picks and all that. So we had fun with it. I think you and I both had seven right. I think so. Man, yeah, I might have got one more. I think I got. I think I got one more right than you did. So I might have had seven. You had six or six. something like that. Okay. <sighs> yeah, all time too well. I will say a little tick to the one year they decide to perform a lot of the songs is this year as opposed to last year when they could have done Manor Muppet. So, yeah, yeah, little, you're little, still you're still bitter about the whole Muppet still song about thing, that. aren't you? I mean, yeah. give Adele the Oscar, but last year Brett McKenzie could have gotten it. So that is true. They keep mixing up whether they play the original songs or not. Yeah. Now, granted, the year that they did Blame Canada, they did do it. Robin yes. Williams did the South Park song. Awesome, incredible. Last year could have had a similar moment, but no. That's really weird. So. I would be kind of ticked off if I was one of those nominees that I just happened to be the year right. that they didn't let me play. Right. And I actually, I guess somebody may have gotten fired. I never heard. But uh, the sound mixing, speaking of sound mixing, was really bad when Adele was singing, too. It was like the orchestration would overpower her like singing and stuff. Well, it's probably because the orchestra is in a whole different freaking building. I mean, well, what was up with that? Yeah, I missed, I missed the beginning of that. But they was, were saying, oh, yeah. my gosh. I mean, I saw that they're performing in a whole other building. So they're getting piped into sound and playing <laughs> on it. I'm like, really? Is this really a good idea? Because I felt um, sometimes like when the orchestra would really swell, she was like completely drowned out or yeah. so. I felt. Well, and they didn't let every original song play, like perform. 
They let um, the one that Nora Jones. Uh, Nora Jones did from Ted. Right. They let Skyfall, and they did. Did they do suddenly from Les Mis? They did a Les yes. Mis montage, but they, they which do... included that at the beginning. Okay. So, but before my time from Chasing Ice, which well, was uh, Scarlett Johansson, didn't perform. Which that would one. have been cool if she was like running around in a field of icebergs while singing that Chasing song. Chasing Ice. But yes, exactly. Oh, you're so visual. Yeah, that I would am. Have been fun. But um, but no, she didn't perform. They and just then did they perform Pies Lullaby on stage? Because that was the other fifth one nominated. No. Kind of think if you're going to let if two of them play, one, three of them, you got to do all five. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Well, if any, yeah. This is why we're in it. we don't <laughs> plan the Oscars. <laughs> they haven't asked us to host them, yet. So. Yeah, exactly. Overall, I thought it was a fun ceremony. You know, it is what it is. I'm more interested in the winners and all than I'm theatrical of the whole thing. Best speech? Um, best speech, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Of course. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I mean, even the guy's acceptance speeches are... Yeah. Like worthy of buying a ticket for. No, so. totally. I mean, because um, he was gracious, yet he was also funny. Very for the moment. So very funny. You got to give him that. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. He's yeah, he's a class. So talented. Act. So I was, incredibly talented. I wish his speech would have been like he would have actually said more, but he seemed to be genuinely excited. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. I was happy just to see him kind of thing, and he yeah. thanked the actors and said like, I, was, you know, oh. I'm dependent on you, and so that that was kind of. Did you hear that there was a little bit of controversy um, that Ang Lee during his acceptance speech? Not once thanked anybody in the visual effects, special effects department. No. He thanked See, actors. He, huh. act, he thanked producers. I think I was so dumbfounded not, by the fact that he won. I didn't actually hear any of his acceptance So speech, supposedly so. all the visual effects guys are like, what? <laughs> you know, the, half the film is a visual effect that we created for you. And he didn't give them one set of kudos up there on the stage. Wow. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so that's our Oscar talk. That's all we're going to do. I'm just going to say one quick thing before you move on to our recommendation, Chris. Okay. Um, as a follow-up to our last episode where we talked about uh, Terrence Malick's Into the Wonder, uh, the trailer's out. Okay. Go look it up. Okay. Very interesting. I'm excited now for this film where I knew nothing about it as of a few weeks ago. I'm now completely bought in, ready to see this film. Awesome. So check it out. Before we close out this segment, Alan, do we have a winner for the guessing well, yeah, contest? Yeah, absolutely. We actually had our little contest, uh, Oscar winners. We wanted to pick one person that was a podcast listener that had the best uh, tally for the night. And then we also, for our film society, since we had a special event for that, we had winners for the film society members. We do have a winner for the non-film society but listener of this podcast category. And the winner is Paul Jarnigan. So, Paul, we will be sending you out uh, a nice little gift here as part of your involvement. Thank you so much for uh, for taking play, taking part. Did pretty good in the polls. He got a lot of the numbers right on the awards. So, for our podcast listeners, he is our winner, Paul Jarnigan. Congratulations! Now, I did want to just throw out too. We did have a couple winners uh, on our film society side of things. People who are members of the film society and attended our event, or at least submitted as part of the society. We actually had a tie. We had two winners there. So we've already reached out to them and they're going to be getting their prize. Just want to let you know, our film society really, really did good on their Oscar picks. You want to know how many they got right? Uh, our two winners that tied. Wait, they got more than my six? Yes, they did. A, a few <laughs> okay. more. 19. Wow. 19 awards were picked right by our two winners within the film society. Pretty impressive. So again, we had some great winners, great Oscar uh, contest. We'll look forward to doing it again next year. Always fun to put together. So uh, stay tuned for that. For our podcast listener, do we need him to email us contact or like a uh, We've got his contact oh, information. Yep. Excellent. We'll send him that. So we'll get that out to him. And uh, yep. So that's the deal for the Oscars. Thanks, everybody, for playing along at home. Now, let's move on to our final installment part of the show, which is our monthly or I guess biweekly now that we're on a different schedule of recording these shows. Our recommendation for the episode here, this is a movie, can be anything. It could be old classic, could be a new film, something we just think we've checked out or seen in the past we want to recommend that may not be an obvious choice for some people, but it's also one that would be a good a streaming online or rentable option. Chris, what have you got for us today? I've got Steven Soderbergh's 2011 movie, Haywire. Okay. And I watched it recently, really enjoyed it. It sounds like it's just going to be nothing but kind of a born ultimatum, you know, kind of a born movie. It's like a secret agent running around on the run because things have turned bad. And not that the, the plot for the film isn't that original. Like I say, it's been done in other films. It's pretty straightforward. But what made this so enjoyable is the fact you have Steven Soderbergh writing it and directing it, which you can see his hand in a lot of it, just the way shot selection and the pacing. But um, what made it 
kind of cool is the star is Gina Carano and yeah. she's like a mixed martial arts person and that's what she does for a living and I thought you know she's not given a lot of dialogue but the stuff that she has to deliver I thought she did a good job with yeah so she was kind of a oh wow not only can she kick somebody's butt but she's also not that bad of an actress and it was a lot of fun to see when you see fight scenes as opposed to like a James Bond movie or a Jason Bourne movie where they're fighting and yeah, it looks realistic, but it's just something seems maybe a little off because it's more choreographed than mm. it is actual real happening. And this film, I felt like it was more real. So yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I, I'll echo. I thought it was a good movie. It was surprising. I didn't expect it to be as enjoyable as it was. I do think the action sequences were very fun to watch. I agree with you there. So yeah, I thought it was a good film too. And one of my, I kind of, <laughs> It you know how a movie opens is always obviously important, and how a movie chooses to close with its like ending shot. The ending part of this movie was one of my is one of my favorites in recent memory, mm-hmm. just because of without spoiling anything, two characters kind of have a moment at the end, and you're, it makes you laugh, but yeah. yet it's kind of a serious, it but fun. it's it's clever. So cool. I liked it. All right. So Haywire, uh, that fairly recent film. I'm going to go back in time a little bit, 1996. Oh wow. Uh, okay. Danny Boyle is a director I really, really like. I just I admire the guy for trying every different type of genre, every different type of style of film he can make. He's actually got a new film coming out, uh, I think, here this year called Trance, which I've seen the trailer for. Hmm. Ooh, looks creepy. Like, really? good. Like, just very intense. Is it another drug movie or no? And no, it's, a, it's kind of a psychological thriller, okay. scary horror movie. Um, don't know too much about it, but it looks really, really interesting. But since you mentioned the drug movie, that was actually my, <laughs> my pick is I do think that, uh, I personally love the film train spotting. Oh yeah. Uh, I still think, you know, no matter what he puts out anything Oscar winning, uh, he did the whole slumdog millionaire. He did 127 mm-hmm. hours. Right. Uh, a lot of films I really admire and enjoy, but I still will go back to train spotting as the film that still is the perfect Danny Boyle film for me. It's um, pretty good. Wasn't his first film. That was shallow grave, which is also very good. It's pretty good. Yeah. But train spotting, man, that just really blew me away when I saw it. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, Ewan McGregor, who was also in Haywire as your choice. It was of course the star of train spotting. So that yeah. was a kind of a nice synergy there for us as well. But, um, I will say my wife still gets freaked out watching train spotting when I try to contend the baby that, scene. Yes. Yeah. When I try to contend that train spotting is a comedy, she just gets so offended <laughs> because she thinks it's one of the scariest films ever made. Yeah. I can see that there are definitely scenes to it that are very, very tough to watch. Some scenes are very traumatic, but overall the spirit of this film, the energy level, the music, the music, everything just really gelled into a really, really just fun, interesting film to check out. And uh, I love the the narration from Ian McGregor's character. Mm-hmm. I think it's just perfect for the for the film. Uh, the rest of the characters in the film also just great. Robert Carlyle, I thought was great in this film. He is. Um, and even going back to tie in with Anna Karenda, Kelly McDonald, mm. who played the young lady in Train Spotting, was the wife who was cheated on in the very beginning yes. of Anna Karenina. Yes. So little connection points there for us. Okay. But overall train spotting, one of my absolute favorites, it is available for streaming on Netflix. So you need to check it out. If you've never seen it, it's definitely worthwhile seeing that. And, uh, yeah. And then I'm really curious to see what happens with trance, the new film he's putting out, which is uh, James McAvoy starring oh, in that. Okay. And, uh, that could be, looks very interesting. I've looks heard at one point that he was considering doing kind of a sequel of sorts to train spotting. And that's why I was wondering if trance was it. It, it doesn't, doesn't look like trance like is. is trance. The, the, the definite, the description for trance is an art auctioneer who has become mixed up with a group of criminals partners with a hypnotherapist in order to recover a lost painting. Okay. But that sounds like a, just a run of the mill thriller, but sure. the whole hypnotherapist part is what <laughs> you see this trailer and I, it's the red band trailer. So it's kind of, oh. oh yeah. And it's pretty huh. disturbing in parts. Um, okay. Very interesting to see Rosario Dawson is going to be in this and Vincent Castle, who was in black Swan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very, very good actor. Should be a lot of fun. Is this. He? Oh, I think he is. Okay. You didn't like him in black Swan. No. Really? Yeah, something about him gets on my nerves. All right, we'll save that for another show. I I like him. I think he's interesting. Okay, so I guess that wraps it up for today. Uh, The Sessions, Anna Karenina, both films worthy of at least seeing for the experience, but we definitely say The Sessions is a better film. Chris says it's a much, much better film. I think it's unbelievable. Uh, And Anna Karenina, we both were disappointed in and had some issues, but at least admired the director for trying something different and new with it. Um, then we went through our Oscar picks. 
our Oscar uh, outcomes from the evening. And then, of course, we got our two recommended films, uh, Haywire and Train Spotting. So hopefully gave you guys a lot of options for some online weekend viewing whenever you listen to this show. Again, you can always go back in time and listen to all of our old Mesh episodes for uh, uh, Foot Candle Films. You can go back to themesh.tv. That's our website. Go all the way back to the very first episode of Foot Candle Films. We've done this for now a couple years, pretty close to two years. So a lot of episodes you can go back and catch up on. And uh, then if, if you're interested in our film society, we do have a film society here in Western North Carolina. We've got booked up membership right now at the moment as of the time of recording this show. But we're always looking for some ways to get some new memberships in if we can ever open that back up. But uh, footcandle.org is where you can learn more about the Foot Candle Film Society. Henceforth, the name of our show, Foot Candle Films. Uh, it's a film society we started maybe four years ago, maybe close to five now. It may now. actually be close to five now. And yeah. uh, have about Crazy. 450 members here in Western North Carolina checking out really nice, interesting films on a monthly basis. So, uh, again, I'm Alan Jackson, Chris Fry. Hello and goodbye. Yep, Chris. Uh, we don't really know what we're going to be reviewing our next episode yet. So I guess we will. Or do we? Oh, we do. Do we know? What is um, it? We're going to be reviewing a more. Oh, which was right. the winner for best foreign film. Yep, that's right. We discussed, and I'll be leaving because my kids are going to drag it to me to see it this weekend. Oz, the Great and Powerful. Is that the name uh, of it? Sure. So that yes. sounds like two adjectives wiz- that go. The in reboot there, so. of Wizard of Oz. So. Okay, Re- is it a reboot or is it like a prequel or what is it? Well, I, I guess it was technically a prequel. A prequel. Yeah. yeah, okay, it's technically it's a, prequel. a prequel. The, the, the crowd here is telling us it's a, it's a prequel. <laughs> we actually have a crowd here, believe it or not. Right. We do have people Three sitting people. here watching us. That's right. It's not been intimidating whatsoever. And yeah. uh, intern Nick has been uh, plugging away our, our statistician research assistant, whatever we want to call it. So. <laughs> Great. Okay, well, for Foot Candle Films, we're going to wrap it up for today. Thanks so much for everybody listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.